This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday. It is the 28th of February 2024. Today we're asking the question, are you pro Perkins? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. How are you today? Oh, hello, Stephen Scott. I'm very well, thank you. How are you, apart from manic today? I'm good today. I feel good. I know. I noticed singing, probably dancing. I must warn our listeners that, um, yeah, Stephen is surprisingly happy today. <laughs> It's Wednesday. It's midweek. What are you doing so chirpy? Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute there, Mr. Preecy. Yes. Uh, And I say that uh, for a very special reason, because uh, all the way back from, uh, well, not all the way back, but, you know, at least from the the entrance to the airport in Vienna, all the way to the gate, uh, which was basically getting us out of the country, um, where where we were escorted, um, (laughs) the lovely assistant kept calling you Mr. Preecy, which I thought was kind of funny. I liked it. Yeah, but I told him to call you Steve-O, which I also liked as well. So, Which well, um, he thought was amusing, so he did. Yes. Uh, and he kept calling you Mr. Priestley. I, I felt a disrespect, if I'm perfectly honest about it. I, no, I thought it was, um, it was nice. I thought he just felt comfortable calling mm. me Mr. Priestley. Was that Elvin, I believe his name was? That wasn't Elvin, no. That was the other guy. Oh, that yeah, was that Mario. Was... No, it was Mar- Marco. Marco. That's it. Marco yes. in assistance in Vienna. If you're listening, I'm sure you're not. No, but is. if you were, then uh, you were amazing. He was very good. He tried his best to get me a cheeseburger because I was whinging about it. Uh, but we just whinging. didn't have time. Yeah. You call it whinging. I call it not shutting up ever <laughs> just, and saying was... cheeseburger but every 10 seconds in my ear. I was just making sure he was aware of my wants and needs. And my need well, he was and aware. want was a cheeseburger at that point. But it didn't happen. But it was fine. And Elvin in Amsterdam. God bless you, sir. You were fantastic yes, as well. Elvin was fantastic. Well done to all the assistants who, frankly, had to put up with us. Yes. Which I think is enough for anybody. <laughs> uh, it's bad enough with one of us. <laughs> But <laughs> two of us together. Hang on a minute. Interesting mix. You were uh, before we went off on that tangent. You were mm. making me hold on for some reason. Well, yeah, I can't remember what it was now. Because uh, uh, I was complaining, you were so happy. It's oh, gone. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. Oh, the moment's gone. Yeah, I'll come, like I don't know. Three in the morning, I'll call you, and I'll be like, "Let's record," because I've just remembered what it was. We need to tell everybody. But I can't remember what it is. Uh, so yesterday, I mentioned that. When we were on the move, we were uh, trying out some different kit because we took with us different microphones. I have switched over today to the Shure MV7 microphone that I was telling everybody about yesterday. Boy, does this sound nice, right? Is this not a lovely sounding microphone? <laughs> still, still, I'm saying it very. It's I'm a little bit low. weird. I know. It's, I, think, I feel yeah. like I feel like Barry White is looking in a mirror right now. That's that's exactly how I feel. It's like he's singing to himself in a mirror. I don't want to share too much, but I think your exact words when you tried this mic out was "Wow, sexy time." Now, yeah, exactly. I, that's I, exactly I, what I thought. I don't, I don't, <laughs> no one else is thinking that, but it is a very nice. You say that, Sean. You say that, but no, you know, don't I, please don't do that voice. Please stop. Welcome to late night double tap. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you are so Mr. Radio. Is it? You... Oh, it's such. A, I love this microphone. I, I, that's the thing, though, right? It takes me right back to the the days of the big microphones and the big sound that comes mm, with them. Mm, and mm. you know, I kind of thought all that was going away. And I, I used this mic as I was saying yesterday. I used it on the on the computer directly with the USB cable, and it sounded okay. A yep. bit muffled. I often found that with the Shure microphones because the one you've got is the same, right? It's, you've got the Shure M. What have you got? The SM7B. Yes. Which is actually a better mic than this. It's a big mic, put it that way. It's huge. Well, it's like a big proper radio mic. Loads of people use the SM7B. The only reason this one came into to fashion was because of the USB capability. But I think if you mm. can connect it up with a, an XLR cable into something that's got some decent processing, and you know, we're talking on the, the show before about that Vocaster uh, from Focusrite, which is a yes. brilliant device. And again, you don't have to be using this for, for radio or for podcasting or for... Any of that stuff. I mean, you could enhance a meeting, a webinar, anything you're doing. If you do a lot of presentations on Zoom or anything like that, or you just want your audio to sound better, you can you can use something like this. Now, the benefit of using it with USB is you can actually connect your headphones to the back of this. It's actually on the microphone itself as a headphone jack. So you, when you're connected via USB, all the sound from your computer will actually come through the microphone headphone port. And what that means is if you're on a Zoom call, they can't hear your voiceover speak. There's no way they'll hear it because everything's yes. coming through your ears and not out to them. Plus, so it kind of takes control of all of that. USB, connect it directly to your iPhone. Yeah, so you've said this, right? I don't, have we tried this? I don't know if I have. I haven't tried it with that mic, but I used it with the Audio-Technica. Now, the reason I liked the Audio-Technica so mics right. is because exactly that. The versatility of having both the XLR port and a USB port. I don't think you can beat it because it means you no. can use it with anything. And it's, it's so cool. You can chuck it in the bag, take it with you. You know what you're going to get on the other end. But, I mean, I've got to say, very impressed with that. I think it sounds nice. I think it sounds nicer than the other mic I had. Yes, okay. So well, this is my new you microphone. sound gorgeous, Stephen Scott, there. Are you happy now? <sighs> Do you know what? I feel good today. I feel good. I know. And, and I think more of this uh, kind of I talk is needed good. here on Double Tap. Da, 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 da. More yeah, people need to tell me I sound good. Okay, so, as long uh, as the that. term sexy time is never used again, I'm quite happy with that. Only one guy that ever uses that around here. Mr. F. <laughs> and he's talking about himself. <laughs> F standing for fabulous. Ooh, thank you. What are we talking now, about today, Stephen Scott? Here's my question today. Are you pro-Perkins? I love that, by the way. It sounds like a secretary in a James Bond film. Pro Perkins. Um, <laughs> Get on okay. the phone. Explain yourself. Okay, so we've been getting a lot of emails and a lot of um, comments in regarding our talk about Perkins versus uh, QWERTY in particular, right? Because I, since I got the Mantis, I've been kind of intrigued by what has... Um, you know, being capable with this device because, you know, I think it's a great, I love having the marry of the, the, the display, the Braille display, and also the QWERTY keyboard. And I kind of wondered to myself, what is the need for Perkins? Um, and what I mean by that is per, the Perkins six key input or eight uh, key input on a computer. Is there a need for it today? Now, we've been getting lots of emails in about this. I'm going to jump straight to Lena's email, uh, mainly because she wants to tell me I'm wonderful. So this is continuing <sighs> the thread no. today. Uh, I think it's very important that we start with this. So, uh, Lena, uh, let's hear your email. Hello, Stephen. I just listened to today's podcast. The thing that makes me happiest is that you have made wonderful progress with your Braille. And, of course, I enjoy the show. Best, Lena. There you go. You see, you get double hit there. <laughs> Almost a throwaway line at the end. Oh, and the show's all right. 
Oh no, no, that, I think that's very important. You know, but you know that was that was a double hit right there for Double Tap. You know, it's like we we got you know news that I'm wonderful because of Braille. Thank you, and also. Uh, you think I invented it. And uh, also, the uh, the show is wonderful. So there you go. I think that's a nice start to the show, right? It can only thank get you. worse from here. That's, that's what I say. Thank you very much. No wonder you're so happy, Stephen Scott. What a lovely email. Thank you. Exactly. Well, uh, not the only person to comment on Braille. Uh, Chris got in touch, friend of the show. Hi, guys. It's Chris, one of your biggest fans. Aww. I love your February 15th show. And the shows this week have just been especially great. And all the talk of the tech... And Stephen, I am so excited about you getting the Mantis Q40. I was almost jumping up and down. I was clapping. I was smiling. I was wanting to wave my pom-poms if I had some. Get some pom-poms. And I was just so excited for you to hear about your Braille journey, where it fits in your life, you know, using the Perkins. And there still is a place for the Perkins, by the way, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Okay. But I was just so thrilled to hear that you got one of these devices and that you're putting it to good use, reading your emails checking things over with the braille display you can find a straight punctuation mark or an extra space and then you have the advantage of hearing the computer read to you if you'd like and then confirming why is that word written the way it is in contracted braille so as you would say good on you that's awesome and i look forward to hearing how you continue to use that i wanted to comment on a few other things one of the main things that you were talking about today in the earlier part of the show was the representation of younger people, maybe 20s, 30s, in the media Mm. or the advertising of these assistive tech products. And I have a few thoughts on that. One, as it concerns Braille products, those people may not have been given the chance to read Braille, and Braille was a bit on the decline, I think, here, especially in the U.S., where everything started talking, so let's not read Braille. Um, ask me how I really feel. So uh, I think that younger people didn't have a chance to read Braille, to learn it, and so perhaps they're not the folks that are as inclined to be using the products in their own minds. I mean, I think, you know, when... A person's a kid, he has to be told, yep, you have to eat your green beans and your broccoli and whatever, and you don't have much of a choice because this is what's good for you. But I think there was a bit of a decline in Braille teaching. And so that's why I think there may be some missing uh, component here of this age range in the marketing. And in terms of the other assistive tech, you know, I think that in the last, you know, let's say, Uh, 15 years, really, since the iPhone came out and was accessible to us just about 15 years ago. Um, Everything is still talking, and maybe we're dictating to our devices, and maybe we're not using screen readers. And I know here in the US, a lot of the kids, at least that I see, um, they have used those devices, they can't type, they can't spell some of them very well. And so to learn to use JAWS and some of the other assistive tech, you know, may have fallen out of favor with these young people because they could use their devices, their Apple or even Android devices, um, to input text and to do what they needed to do. So there wasn't maybe as much push for using a screen reader. So I think I think the educational system, I'm going to blame them just for a little bit because I think that the easy route is to learn to use the iPad and dictate and such and or 
maybe not teach Braille because the kid maybe doesn't want to do it. It's not cool. They still have some vision in that. And so um, my apologies to those who are working hard to change that in our educational system. But I think that that is why the younger people are not learning so much of this tech. But when I hear that they are, I am very, very excited. And so perhaps that really needs to change. And I really agree with you on that. And perhaps the people in the marketing departments of the assistive tech companies can figure out what would draw in the young people so that they can be a part of the marketing opportunity. So that's how I feel about that. Awesome show today. Love the Envision glasses and love all the wearables that we're getting with the AI and all the opportunities that will give us. Thanks again for a great show and we'll talk to you later. Thank you for a great message, Chris. That was brilliant. And it kind of summarizes, I guess, a very complex argument, which, you know, this is, this is not a simple yes or no to any of this. I mean, you bring in marketing, you're talking about education of children, you're talking about the the impacts of not learning Braille, all these things, which, you know, when you combine it all, it, 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 you can kind of see, I think, where teachers are coming from. I, I don't see it as, a, and I know you don't see it either this way, Chris, but I don't see it as a laziness at all. Oh, I no. see it as, I think it's, I think these, these teachers are thinking, well, look, this is technology that everybody else is using and you can use it to your benefit. And why would you need anything else? Um, and it's a fair I, I, argument. I mean, we make is, the argument yeah, all the time one. of why the Addy Kushner argument, a fantastic talk we had with him about the, um, you know, let's why learn something else with a Braille note taker when, when you go out outside of that bubble, um, you're, you're going to be using a Windows computer or a Mac computer. And that's, that's a sound argument as well. And I think Chris is absolutely right there when it comes down to Braille just wasn't pushed. I mean, I'm 50 and I was never, Braille was never pushed to me during education or anything at any time. So I think that's been for the longest time. And has that changed at all? I feel like Braille has been promoted and talked about far more lately. But is that just from a personal point of view? Is that because we're more interested in Braille, as in me and you, Stephen? Or is it actually a change in education in other areas in our community? Is there a change towards Braille? Or is it just because we are more, as a personal opinion, seeing the value of Braille? Look, you and I were talking about this on the phone last night, and you said something which I think was just bang on the money, which was, you know, 10 years ago, you and I would have had a very different view on this. Yes. Our view would have been, why do we need Braille? What yeah. do we need it for? And I think I even remember you and I having kind of conversations like that about 10 years ago, you know, saying things like, well, you know, it's, what's, what's the need really? I mean, what, who's going to use it? Who needs it today? It's a bit old and dusty. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is it because our attitudes have changed? And so because, we're seeing Because Braille. we see the value of it now. That's right. Yeah, we, we're exactly. It. But is that widespread? Is that across the board? Or are we, just because we're more interested, that we're looking into Braille more, seeing the value of it. But has the wider community's opinion on Braille changed? So it will be taught more in educational situations. I, I honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I suppose the only, way to, the only way to flip it is, and it's not the best analogy, but I suppose you could say to people, well, no one would ever say, is there a language, for example, that's no longer being used as much? I think about the Scots language, Gaelic. 
that is kind of being slowly, right. not erased, but it's kind of going away a lot more than it used to. I mean, those kids used to be taught that at school. I mean, well, I mean it's, a, it's a Scots language, right? Yes. And you go to the north of Scotland, or not where I live, but the, the far north of Scotland in the Highlands, and that is what they talk. They talk Gaelic because that's what they talk. And I think, you know, when you think of it that way, well, would you, would you say, well, let's just get rid of Gaelic because you could just talk English? <laughs> No, no, but does that suit? You know, it's like, and I think it's a similar thing with Braille, right? There's, because the people who are, are railing against Braille, or those who say no to Braille, um, are kind of erasing it. In my view, they're kind of saying, "Well, just get rid of it." And, well, and I don't think, see the value in that. Do you think there's a a substantial amount of people that are against Braille? I don't think people are against it. I think people well, are just I think saying the problem is there are there are it's people less relevant. In, there are people in our community who are either sighted who work in charities and organisations, and they're often led by people who perhaps don't use Braille, who tell them, oh, you don't use Braille, it's not, there's no point to it. And you think, well, hang on a minute, you don't use Braille. <laughs> the sighted person doesn't understand that there's a value to Braille because they're not hearing that side of the argument. This, again, it comes back to, I think, ultimately, the lack of blind people in organisations, the lack of blind people in work, That's the a lack of blind point. people out there who yeah. are actually able to say, hang on a minute, I need this. This is important to me. You know, it, it, I think it's you're like right. we were talking yesterday about the argument about, um, yesterday I think we were talking about uh, narrator versus Jaws versus whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the, the problem is that our world is influenced, the sighted world is influenced by a very small number of, of blind people who are out there. And this is why we sometimes get frustrated when someone who is blind comes out and says something that we perhaps disagree with. Because it's not that we disagree. We, we, we can all disagree. We're all happy to disagree. But the problem is that if there are no other voices coming up against that argument, if no one else is standing up and saying anything, and just one voice, and this is when I talk about the one true opinion, because that's what eventually happens. It's just this one true opinion because, well, this guy said it, so therefore it must be true. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. We're not, you know, blind people, blindness is not just a guy standing in the middle of a field. That's not blind people. We're everywhere. We're people all over the place. Yeah. And we all have views and we all have opinions. But the problem is we're not in amongst the conversation enough. It's, uh, I, think, you know, I, I think you're right. There is so much context and nuance to this argument. It is, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking even if I was offered the opportunity to learn Braille when I was, uh, um, you know, blind college in Hereford or during any stage during my education, would I have actually took it at that point anyway? I mean, so... Well, that's you, the problem is, is you say you're offered and, you know, that's the, that's the mistake. Look, nobody... Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. People say to me, you don't understand you don't have kids. You know, I, I might not understand because I don't have kids, but I, I was one once and I know what wow. I was like as a child. Yes. And I know that I could have, I would happily not have done things if I didn't have to do them, right? Because that's what children do. Yes. They'd rather not do things than yes. do things. So you sometimes have to, you know, nudge it a little bit and say, well, come Chris on, you've got to do this. Eat your greens. I mean, exactly, exactly right. Yes. Would you eat your greens if you weren't told to? No, of course you wouldn't. You'd be saying, give me the chocolate or give me the candy or give me the crisps or whatever. You know, give me something. Stephen. <laughs> that's what kids would do. Yeah, well, that's what I did. Eat your greens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, my doctor says this to this day. But honestly, I, I just think there's a uh, – yeah, I, I think with kids it's not – it shouldn't be offered. It should be – especially blind kids, blind and low-vision kids. Now, I, when I was at school, it was blind kids, totally blind kids, yes. that did get Braille teaching. 
And it wa- and of course, those kids came from schools because they were often put into schools. And of course, I'm going back a few years, but they were specialist schools. That's another thing that's going away. There's a big move away from specialist education and more inclusive education. I have to be honest, and I know you won't like me saying this, dear people, but I don't think this is a good idea. I don't I, think I, it's a great idea. I can see, well, there's something about integration and people's attitudes to disability segregating us off as to like we're you know different from other people. I get that, but I got to say my life and my attitude to blindness completely, completely changed when I went to the blind college, mm-hmm. mixing with other visually impaired blind people. My attitude to I'm not one of those people, those disabled people when I was yep. in mainstream, I was absolutely yep. changed. And I, you know what? It, 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 there's no difference between blind people, disabled people, and non-disabled people. I came there with my own perceptions and prejudices. So uh, it, to me, it made a huge difference. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when you're talking about younger. I was 16 when I went there. So, Well, see, I was always mainstream educated. My, my mother was absolutely sure of it. And it's sad in a way because, you know, I was due to go to a, a specialist primary school for blind kids. And um, she walked in the wrong door. Now, bear in mind, this is early 80s, right? She walks into 1980s, to be very clear on this. Um, <laughs> I'm not that old. But, you know, we'd gone... Well, she had gone to see the school and she walked in the wrong door and the the door she walked in, all the kids in there were, were fully disabled, like, you know, disabled, physically disabled, um, fully mentally disabled. disabled. Well, do you know, you know what I mean, right? I do. Yes. So I know it's not the right term, but screw it. We're among friends, right? So you know what I mean? And that's what she was seeing. That's what she saw. And she said, my kid is not going in amongst that lot. That's what she said. That lot. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that was her view at that point. And she didn't go in. If she'd gone in the other door, she'd seen all the blind kids. Now, she might have also said, hey, I don't want my kid around that law either. Yeah. Because I don't think my mother ever fully understood that I was blind. Do you know what I mean? She would, would tell people I was blind, but she would never... If I was... See, this is a weird thing with my mum. She would tell me I was blind, but if I told her I was blind, <laughs> yes. no, you're not, you're fine. That's what she used to say. No, you're not, you're fine. We're not the only ones in denial. When it comes to things like this, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. that's a big problem. So that kind of push. No, look, I'm not, I'm not disparaging my mother here because she did the right thing for me, as, as she saw. And I'm a kid. What do I know? I just go along with it because you do what your mum tells you. And that's I did, and it was it was an interesting uh, time. I mean, I, I got on fine, but I could have probably done better. I think under a specialist school because I don't think I got the same amount of learning. There was more time spent trying to accommodate than time spent learning. Like, for example, my mother would have to go home at night with the school books and draw the lines on the page for me because the school books weren't in existence. You have the thick lines so I could write on it properly. Um, I couldn't read the blackboard. They put me at the back of the class so I couldn't see it. Yeah. So so the teacher's writing on the blackboard. I couldn't read it. Um, There was no way for me to read it. I'd be sat in front of a window, so the sunlight streaming in, so I couldn't see anything. Yeah, they used to sit me at the front. I still couldn't see it, so it didn't make any difference. Well, exactly, yeah, I know. But but my my point is that this was a complete lack of understanding on the teacher's part. Um, Lack of resources as well. And there was just a sense of, well, he's a bit of an idiot. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was told, my my mum was told at once, he doesn't do that well in learning. 
So it doesn't no matter. <laughs> and, and yeah, there was a little bit of, well, you know, whatever. And you yeah. know, I remember, I'll never forget going to, when I was in secondary education, being told by the guidance teacher, sitting down to be told, well, and I said, you know, I'd kind of like to get into media. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so best thing to do is learn how to use a typewriter because uh, that'll be a you know probable job for you. You know, yeah. typing and stuff. You're, you're good with the computers, right? So just stick with that. And yeah. uh, these were the attitudes. And we're only talking, I mean, it doesn't feel that long ago. Right, we're not talking the the fifties or the forties. We're, well, not, you know we're talking the eighties and the nineties. I can't even point at that and say how absolutely disgusting. Because as I said, I had ex- probably the same attitude as that before I went and actually met other visually impaired people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I met the attitude of, of the time. The interesting thing was, my growing up, I, I met more disabled kids than blind kids. And what I mean by that is other disabled kids. So I'd meet loads of kids who were deaf. Loads of kids who were in wheelchairs, loads of kids who had Down syndrome, loads of kids with, you know, whatever, whatever condition or disability they had. I'd go to deaf discos. I'd go to uh, swimming classes for kids who had no, no limbs. You know, it was all this kind of thing. And so I was around disability more than blindness. And then in secondary school, that's when I got into, uh, you know, actually meeting other blind people. And I was more fascinated then because I was like, oh, so you're a blind person. Let me touch you because I need to know what this is like. <laughs> What's this Braille thing? You know, that sounds like, really weird, but I know exactly yeah, I know. Yeah, it's what just, you It was like a different world. You know, it was yeah. like a different world I'd walked in. And, and yeah, I was part of that world, but I didn't feel it. Yeah. But that's education for you, right? And that was education with me growing up. So, you know, it kind of left me a bit messed up. And I don't think I got the education I could have got in a specialist school. I often think back to a conversation I had with someone about them going to specialist school back in the 1960s. And this person said to me, when I, when I was at that school, I wasn't disabled. I wasn't blind. I was able to do everything. Because I, was I had all the, whatever my the, name the resources. Is. Yes. Yeah, but I was, I was you know, able to do anything because I had all the resources. And, I, and the other thing was she was pushed to do things. So it wasn't a case of, oh, well done for typing a line of Braille. It was, well, that's not good enough. Do that faster. Do that better. That's a mistake. Get that corrected. She was almost, in a way, treated like other kids would be who weren't blind. Do you, you know what I mean? play the disability, the disability card. Exactly. Yes. The disability was kind of removed from that situation. Yes. So she was able to actually get a, a, a good education. And I wonder, nobody talks about this, but I'd love to know, and I'm sure there are stats, and I'm sure one of our listeners will be typing furiously as I say this, but I wonder what the employment rate was like for blind people around, say, 1960, 1970, compared to today? Because we talk about the numbers today. We talk on average 75% of of blind people of working age out of work. I wonder what that number would have been back in the 60s and 70s, when there seemed, in some ways, weirdly, more opportunities out there. More jobs. Maybe not the best jobs in the world. Well, I mean, in terms of the jobs, I mean, a lot of blind people worked back then. They had jobs. I mean, I must admit, it was factories, especially in the UK. There were a lot of factories that would take blind people in to do things. Dare I say it, the basket weavers and the piano tuners, right? It's a, but that was a job. It's a whole new conversation about... Uh, I'm not yeah, saying anyway. it was good. I'm just saying that there seemed to be a place, a, a, you know, a, a giving a, a blind people a chance to do something. Now whether, you, now, whether you argue or not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But my point is... It seems today we've not really we haven't if we if the numbers are exactly the same back in the sixties, back in the forties, whatever, 
then it just means we haven't even moved forward an inch in all those years. But if we've fallen backwards, that's kind of concerning to me. And I wonder if this is maybe part of it. Chris, what a conversation you've begun. Wow. Um, that was, that's just, you weren't even going there. Second email. <laughs> wow. Second email we're into. And we're halfway into the show already. Goodness me. But I, I just think it's, it's interesting, right? I'd love to know these, these, if the stats, I mean, obviously it's different, different parts of the world, but, and, uh, you know, again, individual experiences are different as well. And different countries are different, different states, all that stuff. I get it. Yeah. But you know, I, I just know from, from what I hear from people in, in the UK, there was uh, attitudes aside, because again, I'm not suggesting that it was some kind of life of roses and joy growing up with blindness in the 1960s or 1950s. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is that I'd like to see the employment stats to see what the differences were in comparison. Because um, a job can be everything to people. So it doesn't matter what it is. I know, I know many people who do jobs mm. who are blind, who do jobs they don't love. But when you ask them, would you rather be at home? They say, no way. I agree. So, yeah. Anyway, stick around. We'll get into more emails, I promise, next. <laughs> Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. So are you pro-Perkins? <laughs> That's where we kind of started this conversation <laughs> about three years ago. Uh, uh, and I want to pick up on this. Well, actually, it's Matthew who got in touch with us who wants to pick up on this. Hello to all Double Tappers. This is Matthew Horsepool here, just wanting to offer some commentary on Stephen and Sean's discussion about whether you still need a Perkins input keyboard in the digital age of the Mantis Q40. So I've got three things to consider Two of them are reasons why you might not want to buy a Mantis, and two of them are reasons why you might still want to use a Perkins keyboard. This is not to say that the Mantis is a bad product. I think the Mantis is an excellent product, but it does have some limitations. The first of these is that the keyboard is just a laptop keyboard. Uh, it's also, as an aside, a US keyboard. It's not a UK keyboard layout, so anybody who wants the UK keyboard layout isn't going to get it on a Mantis. If you want a number pad, the Mantis doesn't have that. If you want the traditional home end page up, page down, it doesn't have those. If you want a mechanical keyboard, that's not a possibility. So you might just be wedded to the keyboard that you've already got. That's fine, but the Mantis is quite large because it, it has the keyboard built in. So you would want to buy another display like a Brilliant BI40X, for example. Not necessarily a display which has Perkins input keys, but most Braille displays nowadays do have the Perkins input keys. The second point is portability. The Mantis is the size of a laptop. Some people quite like that form factor. Some people just want a Braille display that they can carry around with them, maybe put in a handbag, that sort of thing. And in that case, the Mantis really is not a good fit. So you want a Braille display that is slimmer. And in that case, you might want to input text at the same time. And the only keyboard that is going to allow you to do that is a Perkins input keyboard. The third reason is that you might not actually have access to a Braille display. I'm thinking particularly of, for example, Braille screen input. When you're out and about, 
uh, you might decide that you want to send a text message, but you've forgotten your Braille display or something like that, in which case Braille screen input comes in very useful. But Braille screen input is only really useful if you know how to type on a Perkins keyboard. So having some practice of typing on a Perkins keyboard is going to be quite useful. And this is why you might want to consider having a Braille device which has a Perkins keyboard on it. Or you might just decide to practice using Braille screen input. But I would advise against that, certainly if you're new to Braille, because it doesn't always get the dot positions quite right. And you can fix that. Uh, You can recalibrate the dot positions, but... If you're new to this, you might not necessarily know whether it got the dot positions wrong or whether you typed it in wrong. So something like a hardware Perkins keyboard, whether that's on a Perkins or a Braille display or another device like an Orbit writer or something like that, uh, it's just going to give you a little bit more confidence there. So there's some commentary on that. Hope it was useful. Keep on producing Double Tap. Loving the show. And I'll catch up again soon. Thank you, Matthew. You're a top man and I appreciate the... uh the points you raise. I just want to pick up on two of them, though. You mentioned no home and end keys, and you're absolutely right. There are no home and end page up, down, but you can do it via the function key, the left and right arrow, and the up and down arrows. So there are ways to do it, which I do find quite useful doing that. Uh, And as for the no numpad, again, yeah, that was a consideration for me because I I do like my numpad, especially with with the Mac. Uh, So what I did was I actually bought this little external number pad from uh, Satechi, but you get them of all kinds of shapes and sizes and brands. Microsoft do one, there's other ones. Uh, you can get off uh, Amazon that are cheaper. But basically, this replaces that numpad, and it gives me that. So I just chuck that in the bag. It's very small and thin. Two I mean, bottles it's, it's, in the shower? Come on. Yeah, it's tiny. I mean, it's like a calculator you're carrying around with you. It's nothing. Okay. So, you know, that can that can get, get round that issue if that bothers you. It isn't, it's always so nice to spend over three grand for something and still have to buy something else to put <laughs> next to it. But, you know, it is what it is. Very interesting. Now, I've just recently connected the Orbit Reader 20 to my computer. I know, I'm a hero too. I was waiting for the applause, but apparently not. Oh, hang on. Uh, let me just... Uh, no, it's on. fine. No. There we go. No. If I've got an oh, ask Has the moment it, gone? No, forget it. <clears throat> I see. So, <laughs> I've connected it. And get on I'm, with it. I'm feeling around on the Braille cells trying to get it, and I'm, I'm getting there. I'm enjoying it. It's fine. But when it comes to... Fine. It's, it's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting to be able to read my emails yet. I'm, I'm sort of you know, going to places that I know and trying to figure out, does that match the, what I'm hearing it say? And I'm, I'm learning. But the, the point I want to make is I find it incredibly difficult, if, uh, other than the alphabet and a full stop and a comma, which is sort of where I am when it comes to inputting Braille, using the, the Braille keyboard, um, you know, using computer commands, you know, doing Braille chords to do things. I find that incredibly, uh, at the start of all this, I'm finding that really difficult to remember to learn. Of course I am, like anything else. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's exactly the same as you just mentioned there of using the function key and the down arrow for the end button or the function key and the right arrow for home or end or whatever it is. I mean, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? There's no home and end on a Perkins either. Um no, you need no, to learn no. the chord for that, if if I understand it correctly. And again, I I, I really appreciate Matthew's um, email there because he's someone who's actually using Braille, and you know that's what we need. We need. I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know what I'm talking about. All I'm explaining is my experience of of using it so far. Yeah, but that's important. So I mean, this is where you know I think Matthew's advice is good, but I think it also comes with a challenge because we 
you know, we, we're coming into this new. You know, no one downloads this information into your brain. I wish they could. I wish I could be like AI and just soak all this stuff up and understand it. But, you know, you get a device like the Brilliant, for example, and I really did toy with getting the Brilliant, but I thought the the amount of learning I'd have to do on top of what I'm trying to do, which is just get on with my day, is too much. I just can't. I, I'm not going to do it. I would have. I would have bought it, and it would have lain on a drawer. There'd be no point to it. Whereas with this, you know, I, I feel I can jump in right away. I can use the computer. I can do what I need to do uh, and function. But I have the joy of having the braille display just pop up in front of me and be available to me whenever I need to read it. It just simplifies the process. But I'm coming at this from a from a place of no knowledge at all. If you're coming from this from having known Braille your entire life, then jumping into a device like like this, like with the Brilliant or, or Orbit or any of them, it comes with that built-in knowledge you've already got. So, and I think this is partly the problem. I felt this, and I think you're starting to see it as well, because I've been saying it often enough, and it's always the same. Nothing's a problem until it happens to you. But, yeah. you know, it's true. You know, you're kind of starting to see now what I've been talking about, which is, you know, you plug these things into your computer, and there's all these weird symbols popping up and things, you know, and you think, well, hang on, where's the, where's the information I'm looking for? What's yes. the status cell? And what does that mean? And I have no idea what's currently in, in cell one. I have a, no idea what that is, um, but I will get there. It's fine. I'm yeah, not, but, but exactly. Rushing. But then if you were trying to understand that and that's stopping you doing what you're trying to do, you know, I think over time, I, I actually think if I'm honest, part of me feels that the Mantis might be the, lead in towards a device like the Brilliant eventually. I think I could see me moving to that at some point because I'll get so into using Braille, well, hopefully, I'll get into using it to the extent that I might just move all the way over to it. And that's where Perkins moves in. You know, it's kind of, I'm saying, are you pro-Perkins in today's question? It's kind of got two meanings to it. Because I actually think it's, it's are you pro-Perkins as in are you for it? But also, are you Perkins pro? Which is like, that's the professional end of Braille to some degree, I think. Whereas this, I'm not suggesting the Mantis is beginner level. It's not by any stretch. You still have to know your way around. You still have to be able to read some Braille to use this. Well, but I think for most people, it's just this is combining two things that they actually use every day. They use their QWERTY keyboard and they use their Braille display. You know the smartest thing these companies could bring out? A single line Braille display with nothing else. No keyboard, no, QWER- no QWERTY, no well, Perkins, they exist, nothing. Don't they? I don't know. Yes, I, I've sure never seen that. I kind of imagine it like, I don't know how you describe it, but just basically if you took the, the Braille display itself off as a standalone thing and take the keyboard away entirely. Yes, they, they that. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen those before. Sure. Um, well, I've just kind of thought of an argument that destroys my own argument of what I just said about having to learn well the Braille chords. So, yeah, thank you. It's exactly the same on a QWERTY keyboard, though. If you're coming fresh and you're fresh to computers, fresh to touch typing, maybe, you still need to learn, you know, Alt F4, all those keyboard shortcuts, Control C, Control V. Again, there's a learning curve. I'm coming at this, well, of course, everybody knows that. They don't. So what's the difference between learning Braille chords and having to learn a QWERTY keyboard? Yeah, that's true. I think I think there's learning with everything. I mean, again, you're right. I come, at, I suppose, from as as I might suggest, Matthew comes from this from the privileged position of knowing Braille from a young age. I'm coming to this mantis with the privileged position of being a touch typist. 
Exactly. So, yeah, maybe there's an argument there. We're well, arguing done. against ourselves. Actually, basically just, but, I mean, I suppose that there has to be a, a point of entry somewhere, right? It can't just be a case of, you know, there's just there's just a piece of paper on the desk with a drawing of a computer saying, but the, this is a computer, but the good point, luck. But the point being is the rest of the world are using QWERTY keyboards. Again, I'm going back to the Addy mm. argument. I'm yeah, going to call exactly. it that for now, the Addy argument about why we're And most people who use Braille displays, off. I'm sure, will be using the QWERTY keyboard. Yes, yes. Not exclusively. Okay. I understand people might use both, but I, th- this is where I think it just gets a bit confusing. And for me, I think that's why the Perkins, uh, the Mantis is a good idea, because it kind of fuses together the two things. I agree. And let me just say this as well. I got hands-on with your Mantis, if, if. and I thought it was a lovely little thing. I thought the form factor was actually, it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was smaller than I thought. This is terrible. It was smaller yes. than I thought it was going to be. Keep digging. Yeah. It was very much like a, um, and Matthew is absolutely right, by the way, a laptop keyboard. Well, a small laptop. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it's I, not like a laptop, laptop size at no, all. No, no. It's like a laptop. It's, thic- it's thicker than a laptop though. It's, it's definitely thicker than one. I'm thinking of the, um, the Apple keyboard I had for my Mac mini there, which was a laptop style keyboard. It was sort of that size. It was, um. Yeah, uh, thinner and sleeker than the Orbit Reader 20, but wider, yeah. obviously. But I thought it was actually quite a nice size. I was surprised. I was expecting it to be a massive old thing, but it wasn't. There's only one thing I don't like about it. Oh, the price. I know. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but no, something else. Guess what key it's missing? Oh, it's not missing an insert key, surely. It's missing an insert key. Can you believe that? <laughs> Of of all the devices, of all the oh, wow. of all the keyboards in all the countries and all the land, I can't do that accent. But on it, or any accent. in the room for a minute, um, <laughs> boogeyman, more like. <laughs> well, that's quite funny. I like that actually. Yeah, well, it does have the insert key, but it's under a function key, so it's of like course. under F11 or something. Yeah, which yeah. is useless. Oh, quick question as well. Throwing this out there, I was. Oh, hello. Well, someone's at your door. Is that the Perkins police? <laughs> Can I just say, I was awoken last night by my uh, Orbit reader suddenly rattling away in the middle of the night. Why would that happen? Any idea? Does it sort of give you a Braille display alert when it's running out of battery? It was turned off. I am 100% kind of 90% sure. Uh, Yeah, it still woke me up. Scared me, I'll be honest. Ah, okay. Any idea? No. No? Okay, fine. Yeah, I I don't know. Oh, thanks. Anyway, you know me, I like to help. So, (laughs) moving on... uh... Uh, I'll, I'll think about it and I'll come back to you. Okay, but thank you. Nothing rings a bell at the moment. Um, I want to get to a couple of emails that we got outside of uh, the Braille thing because uh, Greg's been in touch, continuing our conversation on tea. Okay, I was unaware that the UK and the rest of the world have different meanings for the term black tea. The term black tea, meaning fully oxidised tea as opposed to green tea, comes from both the Dutch East India Company and the British East India Company circa 1602. According to the Collins Dictionary, the term black tea, as tea with no milk, is UK only, originating sometime in the 20th century of unknown origin, although black tea meaning fully oxidated tea is still correct in the UK, as it is in the rest of the world. Hence, Stephen not understanding the term, as used by an American chemistry professor, as well as me mistakenly correcting Stephen for using UK language. In my field, there has always been a heated debate over the terms math in the US and maths in the UK. However, both countries shorten economics to econ, not econs in the UK. To an American ear, the British have no consistency in their rules of speaking, our common or uncommon language. 
Greg in Pennsylvania. Wow. Greg yeah. is like like our Google. I mean, he's so knowledgeable. I have no idea how, what he's saying half the time, but it sounds really impressive. Greg is double tap AI. Well done. Google Greg. That's what we're going to call you from now on. You're Google Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Google Greg. Uh, yeah, we do, have a, we, we do in this country have... Um, I think we use our language very well, though, because I think that the amount of words and phrases that exist for different things is just incredible. You think about, you know, there's so many examples, and I'm not going to get into them now because we'll be here all night, but there's so many things you could think of that, you know, we have so many words for. And, of course, you can get into things like Cockney in London, Cockney rhyming slang, which... You know, yep. takes a whole new meaning to everything. Um, but, you know, th- there is a, of course, this is the bit that I think it doesn't um, confuse people, but I think it it kind of, because the UK is such a small island in comparison to everything else around it, I, I don't think people realise the amount of different language used in this country from one end to the other. You know, so even even between one city and the next, there can be totally different descriptions for something. Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool, and Manchester, Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So very different in different parts of the of the country. So and you know, you, you go the whole Scotland versus England, but actually it's even within that. It's, it's you know, there's things you wouldn't say in the west of Scotland, you wouldn't say in the right in the east of the right. The east of Scotland. <laughs> that's how I look at the map. It's the left bit and the right bit. There you go. You're in the right bit and I'm in the left bit. Oh goodness. Right, okay. Thank you, Google Greg. Um let's go to Camille who's been uh, trying to find us on YouTube. To answer Felix's question, to find the Double Tap videos, enter Double Tap Video now on YouTube. This will return nothing but the videos that you are looking for. I appreciate the link being posted on the doubletaponair.com website, but using a browser on my TV may be possible, but probably not accessible. Camille. Mm, I haven't tried it on the TV. I don't, I don't generally do YouTube on TV unless I'm, you know, was casting something on Airplay or something. But I barely that, use I the TV, bother. to be honest, so um, I haven't tried it. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on, because Camille also got in touch to talk about aggression. Um, oh, this is for you then, Stephen. <laughs> I think this is just one, this one might be for me. Uh, but this is talk, I think it's following up on a conversation we had around this topic. After listening to Stephen talking about what he needs to do to co-host the Access Tech Live TV show, I am in awe. You learn to listen to three different sources all at once. This is simply amazing. Only a superhuman could do that. I do. Lol. <laughs> During Wednesday's episode, Stephen mentioned passive aggression and aggression. I presume that those emotions are felt when failing to accomplish a task because of your visual impairment. I also go straight to aggression. I need to learn to accept, calm down and try again without getting frustrated. Not easy. Happy tapping and thanks again to Mrs K for reading our emails. Camille. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Laura, as well. Did we say that? That's Laura. Oh, yeah, thank you, Laura. Lovely, lovely lovely Laura. Laura. Mrs K. Um, Aggression, when you get frustrated... Are you pro-aggression or not? Are you, are you for it? I don't. Do you think it's useful at all? Is there a place for feeling anger at your frustration? Is it sometimes yes. a positive? Yes. Really? I'm for it. Oh, look, it's in my Joking blood. Aside. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I am Scottish and it is in my blood. <laughs> you say if you If you spend any time in this country, you'll understand that the only... And maybe it was just a Glasgow, West of Scotland thing. I don't know. But when I was growing up, it was pretty much the only language anybody knew. I'm not saying we all fought. We didn't. We we just spoke. We didn't need to fight. That's the best bit about it. We didn't have to fight. Our words were what we used, and often very effectively. Um, but no, I think in terms of, um, and I think that's probably where I get this from, but I, I do think when it, when you're losing your sight, I mean, I'm not alone in this, and we know this. I'm kind of having a laugh, but the truth is, you know, aggression comes with the frustration. 
And it's just how you deal with that frustration. I think you have a very different nature to me because you are, at least you seem to be, I don't know if you go into the, uh, <laughs> imagine I you scream. go home at night and you scream into a pillow. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe you don't. You seem to be quite chilled, but I know you do get frustrated. And I noticed a little bit of it when we were away because you did say that to me. You said you, you, you said on the show as well, you said you've never felt as, as blind. blind in your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose I lost all my usable sight during lockdown. And mm-hmm. I, I just, it just sort of, okay, it's, it's finally happened. I've reached this point. And honestly, I just carried on. But I, I will say, I'm starting to struggle a little bit with it. It's yeah. um, it, that the total just, you know, like I'm studying two inches away from a white wall constantly. There's nothing. And I've had a few uh, comments now about my eyes looking strange. And I'm thinking, well, now I'm, I'm going to have to wear sunglasses because I'm self-conscious that I can't focus or lock onto anything. And, I don't know. and it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I do get frustrated. I'm not saying, you know, oh, just carry on. It's absolutely fine. But I don't get, I don't really get angry. I, I, you said the, I can't remember what the, the context was, but you said, you know, I think you're, you're quite passive. And I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I never get angry about it i may get sad about it i won't use the word depressed because I, I i don't think i do but i think we all think oh wow okay every now and again you know i think we all struggle with it and absolutely i do but no i, I never get angry about it I, I um even the only time i think i get you know you feel something uh your your blood start to boil is if you do encounter someone else who has uh, an absolutely ridiculous attitude to either your disability or blindness or whatever it may be. But that's happened so incredibly rarely, thankfully, that I've never really got angry. Usually I can just laugh things off or just, you know, tut and walk on. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that's just personality. I think it is. We're all I think it is. Different. I think it's, it's exact. And well, that's the key, right? We're all different. You know, you might feel sad about it. You might get a bit low for a bit about it, but then you pick yourself up or whatever it is you do. Whereas for me, I kind of need that instant burst of and then just to get it out go, yes. yeah, yeah i kind of feel yeah. that need and i find I, I do feel that helps me and i talk often because i had this conversation with someone way back when when they were going through similar and i said you know what allow yourself a little bit of that aggression to get out because if you bottle it up that's the worst thing you can do now in your case i think it's less that you're bottling it up i don't think you are i don't think you're feeling it so you're it doesn't sound to me that you're kind of having that feeling you may be having a different kind of feeling yeah if you, you can feel sad about it. you can scream into a pillow i wouldn't say that's aggression or anything you can yeah, at yeah. yourself if you, yeah. you know, bend down and bang your head on the corner or something it, that's cool. the bit that gets me it's not it's not that the people don't bother me so much not as much as they used to yeah i think there was a period where i, I think it's people i know that's who irritate me the most people i know who do silly things or say silly things or you know assume things I remember a friend of mine once coming up to me while I was using a laptop. I think I mentioned this. I was sitting using the laptop and someone came up to me and looked over my shoulder and said, wow, I don't know how you can read that print. It's so small. And at that moment, it was the worst moment to say it because I was really feeling it in those days. Yes. And I just wanted to pick him, laptop, table, and throw everything out the window because I was just so annoyed. I was such a stupid comment. Yeah. And I verbalized that. In a way that I'm amazed I still had a job at the end of it, but I did. Um, but, you know, I verbalized it and, and I had to because I just, I can't sit here and listen to this. But yeah. people who don't know, you're going to get that all the time. I, I think this is the bit that kind of, I see a lot of these advocates online and they're always so easily wound up about everything. And I think at some point you've got to take some control back. 
you've got to realise that it's, it, you know, it's not just about moving on or it's not just about accepting. It's, it's more than that. It's about taking back some control of your own life, realising that you're in charge. So when someone says to you, because look, we know what it's like, and you talk often about us being taken places were delivered like parcels. Yes. And, you know, when we were getting back to Manchester, I said to you, let's just go for it. I can't be bothered hanging around here waiting you for did. the system. We weren't even sure it was going to be there. And I know you were a little bit like, mm, are you sure? But I'm like, do you know what? I'm not sitting here all day waiting for someone to come and get me, and then I'm going to miss a train. I'm not going to get home tonight. You know, I can't be bothered with that. I just want to I want to go, you know? Yeah. And nobody has any right to stop us. No. You know, we're not And we children. got lost for six hours and you missed your train. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that didn't right. happen. And actually. I walked home. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I, I mean, that's the point, right? It's just like we're not kids. No. We're grown adults. We can do whatever we want. It's just that we kind of sometimes allow ourselves to become either vulnerable or victims. Some of us allow that in ourselves. Many are vulnerable and need help. and Absolutely. But, you know, I don't consider myself one of them. What, there's and in- you kind of need to get that confidence and strength in yourself. Because once you start saying, no, I'm not going to have this. And I've seen examples of it. And I'm not going to get into details, but I've seen examples in the past of, of people who've gone through horrific things. And then they start to just take a little bit of control back, just a tiny bit of control. And that starts to build their character again. Suddenly they start to open up again and they come out of their shell. And a lot of that happens in blindness because they, people just instantly go into this 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 shell. If they've got people around them, we'll look after you. you. We'll do everything for you. And at some point you've got to say no enough's enough. And you've got to be allowed to make mistakes. Parents yes. of blind children, please let your kids make a mistake. Let them burn their hand, or let them, you know, well, fall down, or whoa, whatever. Whoa, whoa. Okay. No, but hang on. If if they may, if they if they spill tea and they cut their, if they you know touch the kettle or whatever, you know, you, you can't cotton wool your kids. Can't do it. Trust me, it does nothing for them in the long run. It does nothing for them because what it does is it teaches them that every single problem they're ever going to have will be stopped before it happens, and someone else will solve. You it can't for you. do that because you, as a parent, are not going to be there forever. And then what? And I've seen kids that come out of that environment. I've seen them. And it's tragic. So those kids just think they are just living this world where nothing can happen to me. Everything I say is fine. I can see anything and nothing will ever happen to me because nothing ever has. Yeah, because someone's always there to catch you before something does. And that's not real life. That's just not real life. So don't do that. Wow, this show started out so happy and... uh... (laughs) You've broken me. You've broken me, <laughs> double tap. That's to it. Break. I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, lie down after That's this. That's an interesting callback, though. I, I don't know where I'm, I'm going with this. I'm just talking off the top of my head as normal. But that's an interesting callback to the mainstream education and specialist education, because there's a few times where I hear um, institutionalized attitude, and sometimes is that reinforced by specialist schools where people are almost waiting for things to be done for them. But I've also seen that in mainstream, like you said, where parents are doing everything for their disabled child and they, they almost, you know, just sit there. I don't, uh, is there a, an argument about which is best when it comes to education for, for forming your independence, for forming your, uh, I don't know, personal skills? I don't know. Maybe it all comes in college. I mean, you seem to have found that in that college you went to. I, I think that might be the key. Something in there where kids I get do. a chance to get away. I, I know that I know boarding school is very popular among kids, 
uh, yes. or not by kids necessarily, but by their parents. <laughs> um, and I, I think I don't know what that was about. I, I heard a lot about this, you know, kids that would go away to schools, and it kind of felt to me like those parents were either looking for a way to get those kids out the door, or it was genuinely because you know they lived far away, they couldn't possibly commute to a school like that. I don't know, but um, I yeah, think it I did. I think it made a that. difference in my in, in my life. Yeah, because I left. I home. think the college certainly did. Yeah, did. absolutely. I mean, it sounds like it. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Wow. There you go. So text you're honest. Um, <laughs> we'll maybe get into some tech tomorrow. You never know. Uh, we live in hope. Uh, Mr. F is uh, currently opening his third bottle of whiskey. I think so. Uh, we'll uh, let him talk, get on with that. Mr. F. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he can speak good German, can he? I know. I was so impressed. Clever guy, honestly. Who are these people we work with? Very smart people we work with, you know. I know. What are we doing there? Imposter I have syndrome. No idea. <sighs> yeah, I think I think they bring us in to, to we're like the uh, the soap operas, you know. They bring us in to make everyone feel better. That's what <laughs> is they do. that right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Okay, we're like the gestures. The we're t- not like them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, we're back tomorrow. All going well, and uh, we'll catch you then. Keep your feedback coming as always. I like this microphone. I'm going to keep it, Sean. Sexy times. Sexy times. Continue tomorrow. Bye bye. Thank you. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. <laughs>